0: My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. On this podcast, I've enjoyed talking about interesting cases we've gotten here at the Lesboati Moon Clinic. Children with hydrocephalus, with tuberculosis of the spine, HIV, and the intersection of medicine and culture. And I'm an internal medicine doctor, which means that I love these odd cases and I love the struggle to find the solutions that work for them. But today, I want to talk about our bread and butter, what we do best, and what we view as our most cost-effective and impactful program. I'm going to talk to you about our nutrition program. Next to it, the curious other cases are simply icing on top. The nutrition program is built in three tiers of care, and I think it's best to explain it by telling you a typical story the story of a little boy named Liam. Little Liam hails from the village of Tamazo. Tamazo is a large commune. It extends all the way to the mountains outside of the city where our clinic is located. One day, Liam showed up to our clinic doors with his mother. Our nutrition nurse, Miss Blanchard, and I went out to meet him. As we sat and talked with his mother, we learned that the community health worker in the area had identified Liam and sent him our way. As we settled into a conversation with the mother, it was obvious that Liam was not doing well. His mother explained that Liam had always been skinny, much smaller than the other children. We measured Liam's arm circumference with what's a little tape-measuring device, and then we weighed him and measured his height. The findings were not really all that surprising. He was in the 0.1 percentile for weight for height. His arm width was abysmal, well below the cutoff. Little Liam would need to be hospitalized. Now this first encounter with a malnourished child is critical. The primary reason that children die from malnutrition is because they're not identified and they're not treated. Many of these children live in hard to reach mountains or dangerous parts of the city. As per guidance from the Ministry of Health and from the World Health Organization, we use an elegant solution, community health workers. These are regular people that live in the communities where we work. We provide them with training and they return to the villages to live. Each month, they screen the children in the area to find the children who are not doing well. And then they triage them to us. Liam was much sicker than most of the children we treat. He was 23 months old and weighed 12 pounds. I reminded myself at the time that I weighed 10 pounds, 10 ounces at birth, a fact that my mother loves to tell me repeatedly on my birthday. Liam would need to be in the hospital to start a safe recovery. Of our three levels of care for children with nutritional issues, the hospital is clearly the most serious. In the last year, we've launched a program to start paying for children's hospitalizations and transportation to the hospital. After much back and forth, we negotiated a fixed price of $150 per stay with a local hospital, which was a bit unbelievable when we were first discussing with them. Many of the children will stay in the hospital for more than a month. For example, Liam himself, he stayed inpatient for 31 days. And this is because the only children we hospitalize are those that are too weak to eat or have another serious complication. For example, Liam required a tube in his nose to help him feed until he had regained enough strength to be able to eat on his own. Admittedly, the hospital is not a luxury hotel. Parents sleep on the tile floor next to their children and are required to be at the bedside 24 hours a day. But the care is good, and we have a working relationship that allows us to discuss and stay informed on the children that are in the hospital. After 31 days, Liam was deemed well enough to leave the hospital. At this point, he now weighed 18 pounds, and critically, he was able to eat on his own. At this point, he entered our program for severe malnutrition. Now, there are very strict criteria as to who is admitted to this level of care. We allow children into the program whose weight for height is less than the 0.3 percentile or whose arm width is below a certain marker. This means that these children weigh less than 99.7% of children in a normal population. All of these markers are part of a worldwide protocol that the World Health Organization uses for children with malnutrition. At this stage, Liam joined a group of about 40 kids who come to the clinic every week. We deworm them, check them for HIV and syphilis, give them vitamins and vaccines, and we build up their strength with a food replacement called Plumpy Nut. Plumpy Nut is a little sachet of peanut paste and other material that is used the world over to help kids gain weight. But before we go further into Liam's story... I think this would be a good moment to stop and ask, why do we put so much focus on malnutrition and why do we need to see them every week? I certainly was asking the same questions before I came to Haiti. It seems simple. You just give them food, right? Well, let's focus on the first question. Why malnutrition? If you talk to other organizations that work in Haiti, almost everyone is working in nutrition and with good reason. Children in Haiti die at an alarming rate. They die from diarrhea, from pneumonia, from measles. But if you really unpack why they die, the underlying cause is malnutrition. If these children were of a normal weight, had normal reserves, a bout of diarrhea would simply be that, about. If a normal child got diarrhea, it might simply be a few days of loose stools. But when a child has no extra fat, no extra fluids, an episode can quickly turn deadly. But their immune systems are also shot, which means that what might be a minor cold turns into pneumonia for these children. Worldwide, being underweight or malnourished is the ultimate root cause of almost half of all childhood deaths. And this flows into the second question. Why do they need to be seen so frequently? These children are delicate, both their reserves and their immune system. They need to be closely monitored for any infections until they regain their strength. And lastly, a prescient question comes up. You can give them food supplements now, but won't they just end up falling back into malnutrition when they don't have it? And the beautiful answer is almost always no. Malnutrition peaks at a young age. More than 90% of our patients are less than the age of two. Once a child reaches the age of two and a half, they can generally start to do some management of themselves. And this makes sense. Malnutrition is often one part lack of resources and one part lack of knowledge. Feeding a child is more complicated as they are weaning from breast milk and not yet able to feed themselves fully. If a caregiver is not present throughout the day, which often happens when the mother is working, the child simply doesn't eat. By the age of three or four, a child can start to feed on demand. For Liam, we saw him every week for three months. His mother came from a distant village, and transportation was a major issue. After talking with mothers, we saw that this was a common barrier to parents' coming. Now we give the equivalent of $2 every time a mother comes from a remote village to pay for their tap-tap fare. After three months, Liam was doing great. He was 21 and a half pounds and was in the 50th percentile for weight. If he caught a bug now, he was strong enough to fight it off, but he still needed to complete the last leg of the journey. He and his mother were transferred to our program for moderately malnourished children. This level is reserved for children that are less than the 5th percentile for weight or for kids that are leaving the severe malnutrition program. This still means that these children have less weight on them than 95% of normal children. But fortunately, the majority of the 860 kids we treated for malnutrition last year only ever needed care at this stage. This is probably the level with the most impact because it prevents these moderately underweight children from ever reaching the severity of Liam. These are posts where children are seen every month in the villages in which they live, and they can meet anywhere a church, a school, a community center. In Liam's case, the Tomazzo post meets under a large tree outside a church. These posts are run by community health workers for the village, in this case the same health worker that initially located Liam. This ensures that even in the past two months of massive political upheaval and crime, we have never missed one of our seven monthly nutrition posts. I can say that in Haiti currently, that is a miracle. At each post, children are given an enriched blend of minerals and vitamins with wheat as the base. This is only meant as a supplement for food that the child already eats at home. At this point, education becomes essential as we prepare the child to be cared for only by the mother. Liam just graduated from his community post, and he's back home. He was one of our most lovable children. Everyone from the hospital to our clinic post to those in his village loved his smile. I have a picture of him and his mother on the wall in my office at the clinic. It's a daily reminder the system at Lisboa Moon works. As I said in the beginning, exotic, complex medical cases are challenging and engaging to care for. But at the Lisboa Moon Clinic, our base is nutrition care. Because we have a validated, stepwise protocol, we see daily results. Since 2003, when Carmel, the founding Haitian nurse, started the program, she's taken before and after photos, which she keeps in a little album. Now we are seeing these children as teenagers, even young adults. Two months ago, I even met one who now has a child of her own. And the key to these results is consistency. The Moon Clinic having their weekly and monthly posts every time without fail, regardless of the situation of the country. And if you can do that, miracles can happen every day. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from Life Here. We would like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. And there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.